0: Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Soboleski, and this episode is all about reducing screening laboratory test use in the medical clearance process of pediatric patients who require inpatient psychiatric admission. It's also part of an overarching series that includes blog posts, podcast episodes, videos, infographics, and social media content that aims to disseminate the Choosing Wisely campaign which is an evidence-based list of five common pediatric conditions seen frequently in emergency care settings where clinicians and families can partner to safely avoid unnecessary tests. My collaborators on this episode include the experts in the field, Shabnam Jain from Emory University and Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, and Shopa Patel from Children's National Hospital in Washington, D.C., I've also partnered with Don't Forget the Bubbles to produce additional content to disseminate the Choosing Wisely recommendations. Check out their site at don'tforgetthebubbles.com the same week this episode drops. Thanks to Spiros Karajorgos, Andy Tag, and Dennis Rand for your help. Choosing Wisely is an initiative of the American Board of Internal Medicine Foundation, which seeks to promote conversations between clinicians and patients in choosing care that is supported by evidence does not duplicate any other tests or procedures already received, is free from harm, and truly necessary. At least 80 medical specialty societies have published more than 500 recommendations on overused tests and treatments as a result of the initiative launched in 2012. You can learn more about their mission at choosingwisely.org. For this episode, I was fortunate enough to sit down and interview Drs. Jane and Patel, so I will allow them both to introduce
1: themselves. Hi, my name is Shilpa Patel, I'm a Pediatric Emergency Medicine Physician at Children's National in Washington, D.C., and I'm here to discuss medical clearance with Dr. Jane. And I have been involved in this work in terms of improving the care for patients who present to the emergency department with behavioral health problems for the past 78 years, and I'm happy to contribute.
2: Hi, uh, my name is Shabnam Jain and I am Professor of Pediatrics and Emergency Medicine at Emory University and Medical Director for Clinical Effectiveness at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta where I've been for almost 30 years. I oversee multidisciplinary teams of clinicians in the development, implementation and dissemination of evidence-based guidelines at our hospital and I've also been involved with AAP's section of emergency medicine in developing guidelines for pediatric EDs. I have been passionate about reducing overuse for as long as I can remember. Uh, And I hold a steadfast belief in evidence-based practice. And this, along with the relentless support of judicious use of healthcare resources, I'm very proud of spearheading the development of the first ever choosing wisely list in pediatric emergency medicine.
0: So it's interesting in medical training, we're often taught what tests to do, you know, what study to get, but Choosing Wisely often makes recommendations to avoid unnecessary tests. So Shabnam, can you give me a brief overview, sort of the mission, the overarching goals of the pediatric emergency medicine portions of Choosing Wisely?
2: So most listeners are probably familiar Uh, now with the Choosing Wisely campaign, with its goal to spark conversations between clinicians and patients about what tests, treatments, and procedures are uh, are needed, and even more importantly, as you mentioned, which ones are not. Uh, More than 80 specialties have Choosing Wisely lists, and pediatric emergency medicine is proud to have recently joined that rank. And the overarching idea is that tests should be based on sound medical indications. And these indications are based on the history and physical, and these tests do not need to be done routinely. Uh, Specific to today's podcast, the recommendation uh, on on our Choosing Wisely list is do not obtain screening lab tests in the medical clearance process of pediatric patients who require inpatient psychiatric admission unless clinically indicated.
0: Now, Shopa, I think that most of us have practiced in an age in which mental health concerns are very common, especially in emergency departments. Um, how has this evolved over time, you know, over the, the last few decades, where we didn't know if a patient had a mental health or a psychiatric condition, and you had to really robustly rule out a medical cause?
1: So I think those situations are still present, but we're seeing more and more psychiatric illness due to the social structures, the social stresses in our society. And because of that, volumes are doubling, tripling. The number of patients we're seeing in the emergency department where we're evaluating for psychiatric illness and really specifically evaluating for medical clearance, so to speak, before a patient is admitted for psychiatric care, that number is increasing. And with that, I think that's where the concept of medical clearance is actually also changing a little bit from pure medical clearance, so offering and diagnosing medical conditions that may be there, to providing assurance that the patient is medically stable prior to a psychiatric admission.
0: Sometimes it's really easy just to get the labs right? You get the recommendation and get these five labs, and then you can send the child over. Um, Shabnam, what are some of the downsides of that practice?
2: Yeah, Brad, there are many downsides. Some of them are obvious, such as pain for the patient, the patient experience that is impacted negatively, uh, and particularly in this population of already anxious children. Then there's the added time spent by our nurses to draw these tests, the time spent by the lab, the costs and of course ED length of stay. There are other downsides that may not be so obvious and these include a false sense of security. So when a lab test replaces a thorough exam and a normal test doesn't really always give you an all clear it can give a false sense of security. And finally, not as applicable to behavioral and mental health populations, but overall doing tests and therapies regardless of need can set inappropriate patient expectations for future visits.
0: And so I think at a systematic level, it almost feels overwhelming to change this because you've got so many different locations that patients might be admitted to. You know, there's a lot of heterogeneity in terms of the clinical environments and the mental health environments that our patients receive care in. And so, Shilpa, I bet there's a ton of barriers to changing practice here. Can you comment on that?
1: Yes. the One of the largest barriers, as you said, is something we've always done this. So it's really hard to change something when it's easy, when you don't have to think and you've been doing it for a long time. And just in terms of what that is, just kind of discuss, we routinely, as t- in terms of routine labs, usually include chemistries, complete blood counts, thyroid function tests, urine toxicology screens, urine pregnancy screens, and sometimes even an EKG. And so when you're doing this and there are order sets written, it's sometimes hard to change something that as opposed to just clicking a button and doing it but as dr jane said this knowledge gap around being reassured when all those labs are normal to saying that you have really truly medically cleared or stabilized this patient is what really is one of the big things we need to do is really educate both both sides the emergency department providers as well as the receiving facilities that what we're doing currently is not the best way to practice medical clearance if you really want to ensure medical stability for the patient. So focusing on the exam, providing tools to provide the sense of standardization. So you have an algorithm that the other side knows you're following so you know they know when you're going to be doing a test if X, y, and z isn't present. And this is' in cons- this is consistent with the ASAP and American Academ- American Academy of Pediatric statement that, a focused clinical exam and a review of the vital signs should guide your management when it comes to doing additional laboratory testing before saying that a medical a patient is medically cleared prior to transfer. The other big barrier, I think, is also the people that are accepting these, phys- these patients are usually not physicians, and they don't have a medical physician or a provider present at the time, so they're just following protocol. And so this fear of anxiety of change and lack of change also can't happen on a one patient by one patient level. It really does happen. have to happen where you're involving multiple stakeholders, changing policies, putting into practice standardized algorithms so that both sides feel comfortable.
0: That's a major effort, right? So please tell me that there have been some successful quality improvement interventions to at least get this conversation started.
1: So I can tell you about a quality improvement project we did at our hospital. We were lucky in that majority of our patients are admitted to our own psychiatric unit. But even that, um, just admitting to our own hospital a different floor where it's just a psychiatric unit, still took years. Still took many different stakeholders, bringing them to the table, agreeing on an algorithm, providing the evidence why behind each of the steps of the algorithm. And there were some disagreements. We agreed on urine toxicology screens, urine pregnancy tests for all patients, regardless of some of the evidence that shows that you don't necessarily need a tox screen if a pa- patient is stable and it doesn't change management. But there's going to have to be concessions made and people will be have to agree on the algorithm for the standardized care. So um, we were able to fix it and really, we're also able to demonstrate that none of these patients that we didn't do routine laboratory screening on got transferred back to the medical service.
0: Got it. So it seems like this is going to be an iterative process. And so, Shabnam, what do you see as the first steps as a path forward, given that there are some early examples of successful QI work?
2: Uh, Sure. Yeah. Like Shilpa mentioned, this is not going to be easy because changing this practice of unnecessary medical clearance Will require cooperation from stakeholders outside of the walls of our hospitals, uh, and that's the mental health facilities who accept our patients. Um, uh, but we can take baby steps, uh, perhaps starting with uh, the sort of the the most obvious patients. These are patients who have a known psychiatric history, who have an obvious reason for uh, an exacerbation of their condition. And uh, a frequent example that comes to mind is uh, a child who stopped taking their psychiatric medications and therefore has acute symptoms. This child probably does not need labs to to tell us why they are having these symptoms. Or another common example, a teenager who presents after a clear psychosocial trigger. Again, in situations like this where the, the cause of symptoms is obvious and when the history and physical are negative, it is extremely unlikely that there is a medical cause for these symptoms. Uh, Once there is comfort with not doing routine labs in these patients, we can probably start shifting our thinking to always using history and physical to guide lab testing. And of course, QI projects like the one Shilpa did will help as well in increasing that sense of comfort to slowly help eliminate this practice. Um, I do, Brad, want to take a second to emphasize that we should not become complacent in our approach to children with behavioral symptoms. Uh, In any patient, if the history and physical suggest a non-psychiatric etiology, we must be careful to evaluate it thoroughly. So not doing routine labs doesn't mean never doing labs. Uh, Some examples that come to mind are altered mental status, acute onset psychosis, especially when there is no past history of the same, Uh, When the vital signs are abnormal, when the orientation is impaired, or, for example, when there are visual hallucinations, as opposed to auditory, which is more common in psychiatric conditions. In such presentations, we need to do a full and thorough medical evaluation, which may include labs, it may include imaging, and even more.
0: So it is clear that we work in a lot of heterogeneous environments, and there's a ton of factors at play in terms of making change at your local institution. So Shopa, what do we need to do to spread change to all of our practice environments you know, across the country?
1: So in the adult world, they have done this successfully in a few states, really coalition building, bringing all the stakeholders together on a statewide or regional basis. So Michigan has done this successfully Wisconsin California and they did this by creating a tool that all everyone can use it's a very simple tool called the smart medical clearance form that does focus more on adult patients and probably if applied to pediatric population would do more than really it's necessary because as we know generally pediatric patients have fewer comorbid conditions however the other way to kind of do this even nationally is to really involve something like the joint commission to make a guideline which is evidence base to reduce unnecessary routine, reflexive lab work for psychiatric medical clearance.
0: And I, I think I'll end with this question. This one's for you, Shabnam. This all feels very timely and, dare I say, urgent, right? The, the mental health epidemic is going nowhere. And what do you see as the path forward? Um, why are you optimistic about change?
2: Yeah, I think, Brad, you're absolutely correct. This behavioral and mental health problem in our youth, it is an epidemic, or I would say even worse, it's a crisis. And unfortunately, it is not going away anytime soon. Continuing to manage these patients the way we did 30, 40 years ago is not just bad medicine. It adds to unnecessary load on the EDs that are bearing the brunt of this. And as we we both mentioned, it can create a false sense of security for our accepting facilities. And most importantly, it is just the wrong thing to do for patients and families to subject them to unnecessary testing. This has to stop.
0: could have said it better myself. Thank you again to Shabnam Jain and Shilpa Patel for your expertise and assistance. If you have feedback about this episode, send me an email, leave a comment on the blog, Hit me up on Twitter or X or whatever, at PEMTweets. Subscribe via your favorite podcast app and leave a review if you'd like. Any feedback is appreciated. And encourage your colleagues to check out the episodes as well. For PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast, this has been Brad Soboleski. And remember, when it comes to needing labs to clear most pediatric patients requiring psychiatric admission, we can all choose wisely. See you next time.